This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles. Positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I am Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How are you today? I'm very well indeed. It sounds like I'm choking, but it's just because I've just choked on a biscuit. <laughs> it's not COVID. It's a biscuit. <laughs> Good. Please do not get COVID. And who have you found for us to talk to today? Today we have got somebody who um, who I actually think makes one of the most significant contributions to the overall well-being of our community, and that is she is the CEO of our Bastani um, Regional Council, Fiona McTavish. Welcome, Fiona. Thanks for sharing with us today. Oh, thank you, Mariwa. And just I'm so humbled with that introduction. It's my real pleasure, and to know that I'm your number 67, I'm absolutely delighted. <laughs> And welcome, Fiona. Thank you, Sam. Fiona and I used to belong to a society. We used to belong to the Deadwood Society, which was the group of the postgraduates in the early 90s at Otago University. Yes, that was the time when student loans didn't apply that much, uh, and so we could stay at university for as long as we liked. Um, and then student loans came in, Sam, and we all had to leave. Exactly. We had to sign blank bits of paper, I seem to remember, pretty much saying that said, we're not quite sure how we're going to pay this back, but we will do one day, possibly. Yes. So how was bubble life for you? I personally enjoyed it because I had my two daughters at home and uh, we had lovely family time, lots of scrabble. I was soundly beaten most nights in scrabble uh, and way too much to eat. Uh, far too much good food, um, but it was something we hadn't anticipated, uh, having that quality family time together. So personally, um, I very much enjoyed it. My son is at uh, Canterbury and in his, in his first year and came back at the start of lockdown. And I think that that group of um, in the population is the group that did it the hardest because they're they're at the point of breaking away from home and and setting themselves up in their in their own lives and all of a sudden that got unraveled yes sam well my daughter was in is in her first year at victoria and as a mother you know i was quite pleased she'd come back because she'd only been away for four weeks (laughs) and i know what you're saying (laughs) about being on a journey and the independence but it was just so lovely to have her because we didn't expect it at all. Uh, and then she went back, of course, and we've resumed the journey into independence. When did she go scurrying back as soon as it was allowed? Absolutely. <laughs> Despite the fact yep. that classes are online, I think yes, it's an important thing that they went back. Yeah, no, she'd had enough of us by then. So did you manage to, to work during the lockdown? Yeah, no, I I really worked um, during the lockdown uh, and I was just really so delighted with how all of the staff responded. Um, It was incredible, really, at at my organisation. Yeah. Did you have services that had to carry on? Yeah, well, we we, um, operate the Group Emergency Coordination Centre, so we had about 85 staff that had to be rostered in and out of that. Uh, and that was quite key to our communities. Um, we 
we provided, it was a, a FINA call centre line for people to get help. And um, so had thousands of calls uh, through there. But we also had essential services. So we had um, all of our consents and compliance, uh, monitoring of state of the environment. Um, many of our services were judged essential services, public transport. And so we had staff who were uh, working huge hours to make sure that those essential services kept running. And were you doing that from home? It was a mix for me. Um, I was at home and at work. Uh, it all depended on the um, decisions that needed to be made. I like to, most most of my organisation worked from home. Uh, it worked really well for us. Um, but sometimes I would uh, go on in to see uh, how the group emergency coordination centre was going and do my endless Zoom meetings from the office. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have uh, 660 Forever. Yep, Sam, that's a nod to my Otago University days. And I was lucky to see 660 at the Town Hall in Auckland. Uh, and this song, when they played the song, it went for about 20 minutes. And it was it was a ballad to the audience, and it kept bouncing back between the band and the audience. Oh, it was just amazing. So that's why I chose this song. Let's not play it for 20 minutes, though. <laughs> All right, then.
So did you manage to get out and exercise during the lockdowns? Not as much as I um, ought to have or um, I could have, but I certainly, um, one of the things that we did was we used to, we live near an estuary and so we took turns biking around the estuary. It was within our 5k radius and we hadn't done that for years. So it was actually really lovely to get back on our bikes and two of us would go off go around that estuary, it took about 40 minutes, uh, and then come home. So we're, we're keeping that up. Um, that was one of those keeps from COVID-19. Did you see some good community responses in your area? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, at the time of COVID, the Fajoas are in season in the Bay of Plenty. And so there's a lot of uh, people who were putting fajoas from their houses just on the street for people to pick up. And there's a lovely uh, retired couple that lives three doors down from me. And normally they sell these fajoas in a wheelbarrow. And, you you know, for $3 you pick up a bag of fajoas. But they had, if you were in hard times or if you were um, struggling with COVID, just take a bag for free. So you had the option of buying it or just taking it. And all around my neighbourhood, uh, people were putting out, um, you know, produce that they had, they had surplus of, and they were just giving it away. It was really lovely to see. It really brought the community together. It was strange how the the thing that we had to do, which was to stay apart in terms of the the community, and people from everywhere are reporting that actually it's it's brought the community together. Yeah, and in a really selfless way, it was people helping each other or caring for each other um, in a selfless way, you know, going out of their way to help their neighbours. I, I, I thought it was truly just such a tribute to New Zealanders that that happened. You're talking about things that you, you keep in, in terms of the, the things that um, that we've seen. There was a... A strange moment, I think, during sort of almost at the end of of level four, when the streets were completely quiet and we'd been had that that relax or that um, that that deep breath in, and thinking, well, next week we're going to start rushing around again. Let's not do that. But then we did. Did you have that that feeling of 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 becoming busy again? Yeah, I, we at my work we really um, we asked staff what we would keep because there were so many good things that we did through COVID nineteen, so many changes we made that we we said that's a keeper. We've got to keep that. And things like you know we are working from home still. Um, that we try very hard. I try one day a week to work from home, uh, and just um, how we can be more flexible in our workplace. That's that's a keeper for us. Another big deal for us was we um, had our first consent hearing via Zoom, which was fabulous for all the people involved, um, the applicant and the experts and everybody. Um, that, that's definitely a keeper for us in terms of using technology so that people from around the country um, can come together and not have to travel um, by plane or car. 
it's one of those weird things that as we became more constrained, we became less constrained. All of the sudden things we thought we couldn't do, it turned out we could do. Yes. And look, honestly, if my ladies' book club can have a book club meeting in lockdown four, we can do anything because that's what we did. Um, and it was great. Is that going to put more pressure on people in positions like yours and in central government? Because now we've proved that we can do stuff. There's been a whole lot of things like people are saying that homelessness, for example, is a problem which we hadn't managed to solve for the longest time. And while we haven't solved it, we've certainly done a lot towards it in the last in the last few months. Is it going to put you under more pressure because now we can do things? We've proven that we can do things? No, I just think it it was absolutely looking and working a different way. That some of the old rule book was thrown out in terms of just getting things done. So one of the big changes for me was the absolute connection with all sorts of people to get things done and to get the best outcome. So we had the old playbook or rule book was sort of thrown out and we've got a new way of working coming out of that, which I think is incredibly powerful uh, and we have to keep that. You, do you think that that might stick? Not so much the, the, the specifics of the technology, but that that feeling that we can actually do things, we can actually get things done? Yes, I think it will, because people saw that, that we could make a difference for people who were homeless, or we could make a difference in terms of communities working together to keep each other safe, or we could make a difference in terms of, particularly iwi, they did incredibly well in the Bay of Plenty in terms of supporting um, communities and rohi and really ensuring the safety of communities. They were incredible. And just, you know, how do we um, as a nation and as communities really support that in the future? That, that definitely is a keeper. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, kotahoho. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really, really hope that whatever is happening around you, wherever you are, this journey that we're all on together, a collective evolution of life throughout the infinite universe and an infinite web is just so rewarding and so nourishing for you. And I really hope that this mini adventure that we've been on together through lockdown level four, level three, level two, and now level one is providing you lots of new ways to enjoy who you are, the triumph of nature's art, the product of literally billions of years of co-evolution on this paradise planet, and here, making things better. Thank you. So for me, it's been a wonderful day. I'm venturing about getting ready for the New Zealand International Science Festival, of which Orokanui Eco Sanctuary has been a part for the last 10 years. We've been very lucky. And we've done lots and lots of wonderful things, like filling up Wall Street Mall with thousands upon thousands of native trees. And we're now, this year, of course, because of the wonderful roller coaster of COVID 19, we are now doing a nano festival. So we're doing a nano forest. And we're filling up a beautiful space in the Meridian Mall, Dunedin, with hundreds of beautiful native trees from the amazing Ribbonwood Nursery. So I had lots of exciting meetings today about making this dream of the return of the forest come true, even for just a day. It's very exciting. So of course today has been a series of great pleasurable interactions not only with other human animals, but of course with my daily environment. And I've been struck today by the power and the beauty of each individual person's ahua and their presence, but also their beautiful voice. And of course the power of our voice to communicate so much and to gift so much to those we are around. And as a human animal, it's not only us, of course, that has brought a voice into the world with us. It's every living thing. And in fact, every non-living thing as well. 
But of course, as a species of animal, everything that we create comes from the real world, the natural world, the living world. And so even those creations that we determine non-living or inanimate, of course, have their own life and their own personality and their own song that they are singing. So it's been a very auditory day for me. I've been really enjoying listening to all the different songs coming together in this lush orchestra that's been surrounding me today. And I also had the pleasure of doing my weekly radio show on ORFM with lovely Jeff and getting to choose a song and getting to share my excitement for the Science Festival with my voice. And of course, this reminded me of the importance of sharing what we love, what inspires us, what songs we're really loving, and sharing with our own voice what we care about, asking questions of others and connecting vocally, as well as, of course, listening to all the gifts that we're being given from all the voices of all the life that surrounds us constantly. And of course, this took me into that ever-present infinite portal of silence. And of course, whenever we tune into the silence that is around the voice, the silence that is holding the sound, of course, that helps us to go within to that beautiful place of stillness and peace within And I hope that for all of you, wherever you are and what is happening around you, you're really enjoying getting the opportunity to tune in with your amazing living toolkit and find all the joy that is waiting for you there. And I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thank you so much. Kakiti. New Zealand seems to have weathered this better than most places. What do you put that down to? I think that um, there was trust in each other. I thought that um, that we really believed we could do it. I think that um, people stood up and took responsibility uh, for doing their bit. Uh, and I thought there was actually incredible communication in terms of how, where we were and what we needed to do. Uh, I was really impressed with how quickly um, we were told, right, this is what you do in Level 4. Uh, and just that um, that transparency of communication uh, certainly appeared to me that 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 was key to people knowing where we were and what we needed to do um, to get through this. Do you think we might learn from that? Yes, I hope so. Um, and all of those those that that honesty, the frankness of message that look, look, this is what you need to know, and this is what you need to do. Um, I, I found that, you know, really empowering for people. On a more general sense, what do you th- I can know I can ask you this because you've got a geography background. Mm. What do you think we can learn from this for the the bigger questions, the the intergenerational questions, social equity, climate change, biodiversity, and so on. Well, on um, climate change as an example, um, you know, it was a really good um, experiment that we can change how we work. Uh, so I mentioned before, you know, the not needing to, to travel as much as we do now to get our work done. I mean, so I did watch TV and I saw Plunkett uh, was interviewed that they had been trying for years and years and years to have Zoom meetings with um with, with their customers and they did it through COVID-19 and they're going to keep it uh, and we're going to keep a number of things that will reduce our carbon footprint and that real awareness I think of people in terms of the environment. Uh, there's some wonderful satellite images of um, China in terms of pre and post lockdown in terms of air quality emissions. I think people were really focused on hey this was a pause and how we normally work and look at the the benefits of that um, for us as people but also for our environment. Uh, it was the biodiversity, Sam, um, I think that probably was an area where we could have done better 
we didn't we didn't have pest control as an essential service, uh, and so now we're in catch up mode. Uh, that was one we go. Oh, if we could do it again, you know, um, we should have um, perhaps looked at, at having pest control more as a central service. It did seem an it did seem an oversight that agricultural production was essential, but not not pest control. Yeah, I think even now um, it's going to take us a few a few months to come back from that. One of the things that it has highlighted for people is the interconnectedness of things, that this was a an environmental vector, at least. And the response to it has got has been very much a an integration of society and the economy. It's been very clear that it's been about the health of people, um, you know, is is inseparable from the from the economic one. Do you think we might be able to to get some traction out of that increased understanding of those connections? Oh, absolutely. And um, you know that whole. You know, the, I'm in a lot of discussions now with with uh, government agencies and with uh, Iwi and Hapu about how we can put the environment first. Uh, as as a regional council, we're all about for the people and the environment. You know that that's that's the purpose, the vision for the organisation I work for. And now I'm in so many conversations about that on a daily basis, in terms of how can we collectively work together um, to put the environment first. It is incredible some of the conversations I'm having post COVID nineteen. Has it? Um, raised new challenges for you that you wouldn't have expected? I think the challenge at the moment um, that's front of mind for me is um, how we're supporting job creation now uh, with environmental projects, but actually ensuring that, that that funding is used wisely and that it's the best outcomes we can get for the people involved and also for the environment. So we're looking at jobs that create apprenticeships or jobs that create a better livelihood for the people who have lost their jobs through COVID-19 and we get the best environmental outcome. Uh, That's the challenge for me right now is the need for short-term delivery right now of projects, but we actually need to make sure that that funding uh, and those projects work in the best interests of the people in terms of their future and their livelihoods and also the environment. You'll remember way back when when we were studying already the the notions of, of growth in terms of the relationship between growth and sustainable development were were uneasy at best. How has that played out for you over the over the, over the last Whatever it is, twenty-seven. Yikes! Is that really twenty-seven years? Don't mention, years? The, don't mention <laughs> the years. <laughs> we don't need to go there. Um, well, I, well, it's it's been it's been really fascinating being in the Bay of Plenty because you've got the Western Bay, um, Tauranga Moana, which has got phenomenal growth, and um, it's and we are really focused as the regional council on sustainable um, management, sustainable development of growth. Uh, and that they are big conversations that the council has. Uh, and then you've got other parts of the region, um, like other parts of New Zealand, who um, haven't grown uh, but want want to grow because um, they see it as um, achieving a greater economic prosperity. And it's a real balance. And I think the Western Bay in particular, um, it, and Auckland and Queenstown and Christchurch, um, it, there are real lessons for us in terms of how do you grow well that um, you know, are really being focused on now in terms of some of the national direction coming out for us. Are you looking at things like donut economics or circular growth, circular economy or any of those sorts of things? Are, are they models which make sense on the, at the coalface? Yes, yes we are. And in fact, um, we've done some work in terms of the recovery 
and we've um, got um, we've got a, a group of uh, incredible thinkers thinking about how we can recover well as the Bay of Plenty. And that recovery uh, is currently focused on um, how we can have a more low-carbon economy, um, how we can uh, really progress Māori development, uh, and how we can um, how we can invest wisely in terms of um, infrastructure and such like. Uh, there is a there is a, a key opportunity here for the Bay of Plenty to recover better out of COVID-19. So um, there's work in progress now on that in terms of how, how do we do that. And uh, some of the theories that you're talking about is really driving um, the people thinking about this at this point in time. And those are... Um, those people? You're, those you're, at, you're, you're at, No, those, those ideas, you're able to communicate those to the to the people that are going to complain about whether or not you're investing enough money in their car parks or the, the, the sorts of things that people worry about? I've always been taken by um, how people uh, want to have these conversations and, and it might be at a level in terms of, say in the Western Bay, the conversation um, sometimes is about congestion and how do we... Um, have less congestion and then you get into well how do we get public transport working better so that more people use it and then do we need car parks or um, how do we get people um, out of their cars and into using other ways of traveling so I, I think the key for someone like me is to frame the questions so that they engage people and they can see, oh, this is important to me personally and I want to be part of that conversation. Um, sometimes, um, you know, and I, I worked in Wellington for a number of years, I don't want to say anything about that, but sometimes we're not framing the question in a way that we engage people the best we can. Liesel Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer and conversationalist, observing city life in lockdown. Hi bubble people out there, this is Liesel, how's it going? Hope you're having a really good day. I love today, today is a great day and I'm just really happy that I'm here to chat with you because this is, this is always a highlight of my day. I do love this five minutes of, I guess it's me just chit-chatting away with myself, but I do kind of like actually have this feeling that I'm talking to people. Like, it's not like it's an audience. It's, it's more like it's a chat with friends. And so I hope that that's kind of how you feel about this too because I really enjoy the idea that, yeah, there's just some really great people out there uh, listening in and um, and we're maybe just having some thoughts along similar lines or maybe different thoughts about things maybe you don't agree with some of the things I say maybe you connect with it maybe it inspires you hopefully it challenges and makes you think about some things that, that maybe you haven't thought about before because that's how all good learning and change happens and hopefully hopefully we're all on a journey of trying to improve ourselves I know I certainly am. I want to be a better Liesl, so I keep trying, and that's that's the journey. Yeah, that's kind of what it's all about from for me anyway. So in terms of journeys, I guess I've been thinking a bit about um, my childhood, and I've, I've, I guess like all of us, we think our childhood is, is normal because it's what we know. And um, even if we don't think it's that normal because we see other people doing things differently, we still kind of, I guess, relate to our own childhood as the benchmark of, well, that's kind of how it's done. And I guess then you can make other choices and things as you grow older too. Particularly, you can make different choices about the way you live. But um, childhood's pretty influential. And I know for me, I did think that I was in a very normal family until I started to probably started to have um, sort of meet people and have relationships in my late teens early 20s and I started to sort of realize that communication in particular especially in an intimate relationship 
was a little bit on the, a different level from what I was sort of used to doing in my family because I'd grown up with this crazy family apparently, I think, <laughs> crazy good family, um, where communication was rated above everything else at some level. Um, you talked about things and you shared things and um, it wasn't like a, a kind of a festival of come on I need I, I need you to share like what are you what are you going to share with me today Liesl you know tell me your deepest thoughts it was just more that there was always um, a sense that you could talk about anything you needed to talk about and we're encouraged to talk about stuff that was painful difficult hard and encourage them to look for solutions as to how you could change your behavior in relation to whatever the situation was. And so as I've grown up, I've just realized that um, my world of, uh, I guess, relationships have been deeply influenced by this communication that I have just thought was a normal thing. But a lot of people that I then get into relationships or have any kind of relationship, friendship, um, work relationship, uh, whatever kind of relationship I've, I have with people, I always want to talk about things. And other people often say, I've never talked about this with anyone before. Like, you know, this is actually not something I'd talk about within five minutes of talking to someone, or it's not usually five minutes, but <laughs> I think it's just that feeling that Talking is, is not something that we put a lot of um, talking, meaning communication, sharing your feelings, your thoughts, your ideas. It's not something that we actually put an awful lot of value on in our society. We, we think being able to communicate means telling some, someone something or um, text messaging someone or being able to say, can you pick me up at five o'clock? Or, or being able to communicate an idea to you know, a group of people. But in terms of identifying how you're feeling or what that means, reflecting on it, I don't think we've got a great toolkit in our society. So I guess I've just been thinking a lot about that and I wonder what your childhoods were like and did you feel that you were encouraged to communicate? What did that look like for you? Because I'm really interested. Hmm. Right, well, I'll leave you there. I'll leave you with that thought and uh, look forward to our next chat. So take care out there and see you soon. You're talking there about recovery and recovering well, recovering better. It, it, recovery is the word you're using. You haven't been tempted into regeneration or any of those, those softer words or, or, or more progressive words. Oh, I think uh, reimagining is something that we uh, talk about at the moment. But recovery resonates, I think, uh, with a lot of people. So it's and it's about recovering well, uh, is the language that we use. Um, but certainly that sort of thinking in terms of how can we be better than we were before. You know, we 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 know we have to do things differently, and so it really is. So what could our future be, um, and and how do we get there um, for the Bay of Plenty? Those are the conversations that we're having at the moment. Do you think in five years' time we might look back at this as a, a moment of of a pirouette? I was going to say pivot, but we got told off the other day for for saying pivot. Somebody said somebody pointed out that was a weasel word that we weren't allowed to use, so we're using pirouette instead. Do you think that this will be a moment of a of a pirouette of how we've actually changed things? Oh, I certainly hope so. Yep. Um, it has to be really, um, you know. It, it's it's we we can make the best out of what's happened uh, for New Zealand, and we can because of how well we've done uh, through responding to COVID nineteen. So we've got everything going for us in terms of pirouetting out of this. <laughs> Let's play the second of your music choices. Let's have Sheer. Haven't seen the last of me. Might take 27 years, though. Oh, I'm not supposed to be mentioning the time, am I? <laughs> no, you're not supposed to be mentioning that. It was probably apt, actually, Sam. I didn't choose the song because I was thinking of you. It's a song that um, my one of my daughters, this is her favourite film, 
and I just find that it's a it's quite motivating for me in terms of self improvement and it's about actually keep going and yeah, I really like it. And it's like the irony of it is that the movie is not the movie for me is about um very strong female characters actually really um changing their lives. But if you said oh, it's about burlesque, it's about um, dance, you wouldn't naturally go there in terms of strong female characters who are really changing their lives. And the song was played at a time where things were pretty um, grim for the main character. And it was very powerful in that movie. And for me, it's something that I enjoy about actually, you know, you've got to keep improving you can't stand still feeling broken barely holding on but there's just something so strong somewhere inside me and i am down but i'll get up again don't count me I've been brought down to my knees And I've been pushed way past the point of breaking But I can't take it, I'll be back, back on my feet This is far from over, you haven't seen the last of me you haven't seen the last of me They can say that I won't stay around But I'm gonna stand my ground You're not gonna stop me You don't know me You don't know who I am Don't count me out so fast I've been So I have some questions to end with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Um, I think for um, for me personally, um, I was um, two years ago. I was given the role of chief executive at the Bay Plenty Regional Council. 
and I was just, I really wanted to see if I could do it, Sam, if I could be a chief executive. <laughs> and so that was hugely successful for me that I got the role. Um, and I've really enjoyed uh, being the chief executive. So, you know, that was something I wanted to see if I could do it. And I'm doing it and enjoying it. And I think I'm making a difference to the communities that we serve. Uh, so that probably is a big professional, personal success. That sounds like an all-round good outcome. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes, our collection of people doing good work. So you're on our team. What's the superpower that's got you into our mansion? Oh, I think um, because uh, Mariwa and I just connected and it's about the importance of having relationships and seeing people, genuinely seeing people, and we hardly ever cross paths now, but every time we do, we have these really strong, powerful conversations in terms of having a relationship first and foremost and being really interested, genuinely interested in what other people are doing. Here, here. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? I think I'm a bit too old for that, Sam. Remember, it was 27 years ago. <laughs> so now you're doing it. <laughs> I have to. You, you mentioned that. Uh, I'm a realist, I think. So I'm probably more down the realist end. I do. I see my children, and I would say that they are activists. And, you know, at university and all of the thinking they do and all of those strong views, I'm probably, um, today I was called weathered by somebody, weathered, which I thought was a great um, term. So I'm weathered to be more real. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, it's usually, it's, for me, it's um, it really is about um, improving things, improving uh, improving how I work, how my organisation works, uh, what we do for our communities. You know, I get a real buzz when we've we've done something for, whether it's an a individual customer or for a community, it, it's a huge highlight. Um, and then you, you know, it, it, it's really rewarding when you can go back and say, oh, yeah, no, we, we help fix that. And what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next couple of years? I think uh, you've already touched on it, and, and that is how do we ensure um, development and growth goes well in the Western Bay, sustainable development, uh, how we can um, really be very clear in terms of what the Bay of Plenty is doing for climate change, um, how we can work together in terms of um, the Māori economy really rising, uh, and that the livelihood of all the people in our region is improved, particularly for Māori, because we know in our region uh, that every household that is Māori is bringing $114 a week less in than a non-Māori household. You know, that, that's a big deal. So um, those are some of the challenges that I'm focused on. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? I, I think... Um, you just keep smiling and enjoying um, each other's company and don't forget what we've achieved through COVID-19. We came together, uh, we, we, we saw each other, uh, we realised that we live in wonderful communities and there's many, many things that we, did, we need to keep from that experience. Uh, and, and, and as you said right at the beginning, you know, we learnt we could throw away the rule book and we sometimes need to do that. Thank you for that. Mawira. Um, I guess I just like I just wanna say thanks, Fiona, for your leadership in our community. Through Edge Term we went to Fakari and then into COVID and when you sit back and think about it, we've got a lot that we could be really unhappy about. Um in terms of what we as a community have had to deal with, but it's people like you who've led us through it, who've maintained that positive view and that positive voice. 
that have let us know that it's all going to be okay and um, the um, the opportunities that you that you have um, helped to create that the doors that you've opened for us that's where the positivity is now in the community and we as a community are feeling really good I think way way better than anyone ever thought we could and and that's largely thanks to you and your team and the others that you work with so thank you There are so many um, um, disasters that they've had to face and conquer. And so from my experience, the Eastern, the Eastern Bay really was able to really run fast at COVID-19 because of, unfortunately, they've just, as you said, uh, Edgecom taught us a lot on how to respond and then uh, Fakare as well. But thank you for those kind words. Oh, that's You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie and Liesl Mitchell. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and Fiona McTavish in Taronga. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.